0: Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, I know a lot of us are just meeting for the first time, uh, but I'm going to let you in on this anyways. You never know when this might prove to be useful. If you wanted to kill me, and who knows, by the end of the day, some of you might. If you wanted to kill me, the easiest way to do it by far would be to poison a cookie. <laughs> I love cookies. You could just hand it to me. I will eat it. You could leave it somewhere for me to find, because if there's a cookie here, I'm definitely going to find it. I love cookies. In fact, I think you could even tell me it was poisoned, and there's a good chance I'd eat it anyways. (laughs) I I joked about this at work one time, and a couple days later I came into my desk, and sitting there was this, a a Tupperware full of cookies with a note on it said, Poisoned. (laughs) And I was like, ooh. (laughs) There wasn't anybody around. I was like, man, those look really good. Like, this is a joke, right? This is is because of the thing I said, like, well, I, I dove in. I demolished the whole tub and they were good and I don't think they're poisoned because I'm, I'm still here talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the takeaway from this story though is that at least in terms of cookies, I don't always have the best self-control. But self-control is the last in the fruit, list of the fruit of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? These are the things that a Christian should be marked by. What we should be able to look for in our lives is evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in us, growing us from the inside out. Uh, but if you've been here the past nine weeks or you're looking at this list and thinking, man, nothing in this list describes me. I don't look like that at all. That's okay. This list isn't where you start off. This is where, over time, through the spirit, you end up. Self-control, though, that's kind of a weird thing to say, I need more self-control. All right, it raises some questions. Because if I'm not in control of myself, who is? Or what is? It feels that way, though, sometimes, doesn't it? That I'm not always in control. Like there's this other thing inside me, right, fighting me, that if I let, contr- uh, let go of the wheel for just a second, would take my life careening into the weeds. Right? In the cartoons, right? It used to be this angel and demon on your shoulder, right? Like we're getting pulled in the middle uh, between a right choice and a wrong choice. The apostle Peter talks about this inner battle in 1 Peter 2.11. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. But Peter, what he's telling us here is that what we're really fighting is our desires, that if we're not careful, what we desire can begin to control us more than we have control over it. We don't, we're not in the cartoons, we don't have angels and demons on our shoulders, but the battle we're in is real just the same. And Peter said it's our soul that's at stake here. And so self-control really is how we keep those desires in check. right? Keep them from getting control over us. Jerry Bridges, in his book, Respectable Sins, he writes this about it. Self-control is a governance or prudent control of one's desires, cravings, impulses, emotions, and passions. It's saying no when we should say no. It's moderation in legitimate desires and activities and absolute restraint in areas that are clearly sinful. That would involve, for example, moderation in watching television and absolute restraint in viewing internet pornography. Moderation in good things, absolute restraint in simple things. Uh, I think sometimes, for me, anyways, moderation's a lot harder than absolute restraint. Like I'm an all-or-nothing guy. Right? Finding a, a happy medium, a slow simmer, that's tough for me. All right? Maybe maybe you guys can relate. Uh, but I love that simple sentence that he stuck in the middle of that. That self-control is saying no when we should say no, because it's hard to say no to ourselves. Right? Uh, we can talk ourselves into absolutely anything. Right, Uh, we cut ourselves all kinds of slack and say, "Come on, it's just one cookie, right? It's probably not poisoned. You know, what's the harm here? Uh, You've been working hard; you deserve this, right? Go ahead." Right, but deep down, we know that choices that are sinful or aren't bad but taken to an excess, right, they hurt us over time. They end up in regret. And while we know this, I think we don't always believe it, at least in the moment. Right, is one cookie really going to move the needle for me? Right, but how, how often is it just one cookie? Right? When I was in a youth group here growing up, we had a rule, uh, at least as far as it came to Oreos, that if you started a row, you finished that row of Oreos. All right? <laughs> one Oreo is not going to have uh, an impact on your health. Right? A row of them maybe, but how about a habit of them? Uh, one drink isn't going to change the course of your life, but four of them, or a habit of them? When I think about self-control, I go right to food. (laughs) That's me, okay? But uh, self-control encompasses a lot more than what we eat. And I think a lot of the things we struggle with self-control with fall into two different categories. One being the things we let in, uh, like food and drink and entertainment. And the things we let out from ourselves, like our money, or our time, uh, our words, and our affections. I'm willing to bet there's uh, a thing or two that might come to mind for you where you're like, yeah, I could use a little more self-control here. Right? And certainly there's areas of our life that we can master in our own strength, at least for a while. But doesn't it feel sometimes, though, that your arms are so full already that if you try to pick up one more thing, get control over it, that something else drops Right, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've given up smoking and uh, picked up a Frappuccino habit to replace it. <laughs> or, uh, or how about this? You were doing, uh, trying to budget for the month and doing really, really good, not spending money, but you ended up staying inside the whole time, watching TV, playing video games, uh, to the neglect of everything else in your life. But hey, at least you weren't going out and you saved money. Right? That's not self-control that Paul's talking about here. That's not fruit of the Spirit Right? The Christ follower should be marked by self-control in every area of our lives. Oh, wait, wait a second, come on, every area? Really? You know, like that's impossible, right? I'm not one of those American Ninja Warrior type dudes, all right? Like that's never going to happen for me. Like what's the point of trying here? Well, Paul, who wrote this letter to the Galatians, Paul was that guy. right? So if you're feeling despair in this, uh, you're not alone. You're in good company. See, he was that guy who you just feel bad about when you think about him. Or you feel bad about yourself when you think about him because he's just got it together all the time. Never gives in. He's like always on his game. In fact, he he writes this about himself in Philippians 3, uh, verses 4 to 6. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless, that law that he says he's faultless of was actually 613 individual commandments that he would have had to have followed, uh, had to have followed to be part of the Jewish community, to be righteous in the eyes of the Lord. If you're like me, you're thinking, "Well, great, the guy who's telling me to have self-control here it turns out he's actually a Hebrew ninja warrior, right? Like, sure, he's gonna say that." But Paul's uh, pretty gracious, though, and he lets us behind the curtain uh, in his letter to the Romans. He lets us in on his inner battle, and and maybe you can relate to this. In Romans 7, uh, starting in verse 18, he writes, For I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So, I find this law at work that although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Do you feel like Paul here? Have you ever been in this place? a slave to sin, trapped, unable to stop making choices that you know you'll regret, that you know are bad for you and will hurt you over time? Well, it's nice that I'm not the only one that's ever felt like this, but if the Apostle Paul right, is struggling with this, can't get it together, like what hope is there for me here? Well, he keeps writing. Verse 25, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And there is hope here in Christ. We're not in this battle by ourselves. And through Christ, we've been set free from this law of sin and death. And this freedom, it really comes to us in two different ways. The first is the freedom from the punishment for sin. He said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been declared righteous, even though we didn't live righteously. We call this justification. (laughs) This is the best news in the world right here, right? That the way to salvation isn't through hard work and rule keeping. That's an impossible road that only leads to death. No, the way to salvation is to surrender, to admit that you're not good enough on your own, to put your trust in Jesus and trust that that he's good enough make up for when you're not. And then we follow him. So if you've been feeling the weight of your past mistakes or you're laboring under the burden trying to be good enough uh, to make God pleased with you, then this freedom's for you. And if you haven't taken this step in your life and you'd like to or you'd like more information about it, you can go right now from any device to Iwant.info and click I'd like more information about salvation. But the story, it gets even better though because when we come to him broken and surrendered, he doesn't leave us there in that broken state. He gives us his spirit, he works in us and he grows us from the inside out. And this process is called sanctification and it's freedom from the power of sin. Uh, Further down in Romans 8 in verse 13, uh, Paul writes, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. Right, by the Spirit we can put to death the misdeeds of our body. Right, we call those things sin. Right, His Spirit gives us power over sin instead of sin having power over us. So this is, this is the key for us with self-control. Because right, self-control really is Spirit control. Jerry Bridges, he summarizes this again uh, really well, that uh, self-control is not control by oneself through one's own willpower, but rather control of oneself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this makes sense, right? It has to be this way because it's my self that's out of control. I need something stronger than myself, outside myself, to bring myself under control, to rein myself in. So in Romans 8.13, we saw two options laid out before us right we can uh, live according to the flesh and we'll die or by the spirit we can put to death the misdeeds of our body and we can live what could be easier life and death decision right but it's hard we know that because what we're really choosing is what is going to die me or my desires and this is hard right (laughs) i want my desires i desire those things As we live by the Spirit, though, over time, and we begin to say no to ourselves, our desires, they actually start to change. As a result of obedience, He rewards us by changing our hearts and renewing our minds. So that over time, our desire for Him increases, and our desire for sinful things decreases. And by the Spirit, we can walk in that faith. Right? Faith that as we follow and obey him, that he will change us. Right? His spirit will produce this fruit of righteousness in our lives. It's crazy though, but sometimes I think it's a lot easier to believe that God will forgive me for my sins than it is to believe that he could actually change my heart to no longer love to sin. And maybe if you've been struggling with something for a long time that's had control over you, you need to ask yourself, do I even believe that I can be changed? Or do you believe in a God who can bring his son back from the dead, but he can't breathe new life into your heart? Well, in Philippians 1.6, Paul writes this and gives us a promise. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, this is already begun. He's growing you from the inside out and He will carry it on to completion. That doesn't mean we just get to sit back and watch Him work. We have a very active role in this process as well. It requires us to say no to ourselves and say yes to what He's calling you to do. This isn't obedience to him to try to earn anything, but it's obedience to him by faith. A grace-infused effort, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just because he says so, I'm going to trust that his way is better. Even when it's hard, even when the cost is high, and even when it doesn't work out like we were expecting to, we trust him with the results. The results in our life here and now, and the results for eternity. And that means by the Spirit, uh, we have to put to death our sinful desires. We saw that in Romans 8.13, but that's not the only time Paul talks violently about this. In Galatians 5.24, this is actually the verse right after we find the fruit of the Spirit listed. Uh, He writes this, that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified, right? Nailed to the cross, and this is where it gets real and this is where it gets hard and we've got to ask ourselves honestly what do I need to put to death? All right? What in your life over time is going to take you to a place where you don't want your life to go? And you you may be afraid to even think what it is in your life, let alone speak it or write it down. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, "Come on, that thing, <laughs> that's no big deal." You know, that's not taking, any, taking me anywhere. Um, I do that because I want to do that, not because I have to do that. It, it doesn't have control over me. I, I've got it handled. All right, with all that's at stake here, is it really worth trying to handle something in your life that's trying to take control over you and trying to lead you to death? <laughs> Paul, he doesn't tell us to handle these desires, he tells us to execute them. Because right, right when you think you've got something handled in your life, right, right then in walks temptation. Right? And maybe, maybe you're not dumb enough to actually be tempted by a poison cookie like I am. But there's something like this for all of us. It comes in many forms. It's whatever that thing for you that as soon as you see it, you have to have it. Or as soon as you think it, you've got to do it. Right? There's something like that for all of us. In 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen, we read, No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, not if, but when, right, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, don't be afraid of temptation. Handle it without fear. Oh, wait a second. Why doesn't it say that? Why does it say flee? Paul, why, why are you telling me to run from temptation? You said there's going to be a way out. You said that uh, I've been set free from sin. Well, God will provide a way out. There's always a way out. But how do you know when that way out has already come and gone? All right, sometimes I think we expect it to look really obvious. Like somebody's going to come crashing through the window and drag me out of there before I can make a mess of my life. Right, but sometimes it's really subtle. <laughs> you might have passed the way out on the way in. So, if the picture you've got in your mind of self-control is sitting there, staring temptation in the face and sweating it out, you're wrong. It's fleeing. It's finding the way out. It's running. And it's not just Paul who says this. Jesus, when he's teaching his followers how to pray, uh, this is in uh, what we call uh, the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't tell people to pray for strength in the face of temptation, like you might expect. No, he says this: "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." He's telling us to pray that we don't even face temptation in the first place. To quote Jackie Chan here: "The best fight is the one we avoid." Right. So, Paul and Jesus and maybe even Jackie Chan are all telling us the same thing: (laughs) Right, don't mess around with temptation. Right? Fight the battle in your life before it begins. Put a safety barrier way back from the edge of the cliff. Right? Make the decisions when you're strong that protect you when you're weak. Right? So standing, looking in the fridge for self-control, that's too late. Right? You, you've got to start that fight at the store. And maybe, maybe you've got to cancel a credit card or go back to shopping only in brick-and-mortar stores to get your online spending habits reined in. And maybe you've got to take a different way to and from work so you don't pass by that sign or that store or that corner anymore. Maybe you've got to change the password on your computer and devices to something only your spouse has or put accountability software on there. Or you know what? Maybe you've got to ditch your data plan and cut the internet right out of your house. And maybe you've got to change jobs or change schools or pick up and move so that you don't even see that person anymore. If you think I'm being extreme here, get a load of what Jesus says in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5:29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus isn't literally telling us here to gouge our eyes out. But what he is saying is that there is no step that's too radical to root out, to go after sin in your life. Because the stakes are high. All right, so self-control isn't about building superhuman willpower. It's about being willing to cut out, right, put to death the areas in our life that could take control over us. And these aren't sacrifices, Jesus doesn't just tell us to cut these parts of our life out, but that it's better if we do. It's better for us. Paul says this too in Romans 8:6, that The mind governed by the flesh is death. That the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Who here today longs for a mind that's at peace? Because cutting things out of our life that take us where we don't want to go, these are the decisions we don't regret, that bring us life and peace. So what is it for you? What do you need to put to death to cut out? I'll tell you what it was for me. Um, I've been joking about cookies and food, but honestly, it's not that funny. Uh, I've struggled with my weight since I was a very young kid my whole life. It got to the point where after college, I was more than 100 pounds heavier than I am right now. And uh, I have a picture from back around in 2008 that was actually taken uh, right here, right about there. It was at the groundbreaking for this auditorium here at the Rochester campus. And my wife, Allison, happened to be snapped in this picture, although she wasn't my wife at this time. Um, We weren't together. I mean, I had a huge crush on her, but she still had (laughs) several years to go of being very immune to my charms. (laughs) I wore her down eventually. But at this point in my life, and I had struggled with my weight for so long, I had no hope of ever being any different. And this was how I saw myself, who I was in my mind. But there came a point when I had to ask myself, how can I believe that God can forgive me for my sins, but he won't give me his promise to give me power over sin in my life, to set me free. And I realized a couple of years after this picture was taken that the step uh, he was calling me to take in my life, that radical step really did involve surgery. Right, uh, two and a half years, about 10 years ago, I, I began the process to undergo weight loss surgery. And that's not something you just go get one day. It's months of working with doctors and dietitians to build a better lifestyle, healthier habits in your life. It's not a magic bullet, and it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, but it is a tool, a tool that helps me f- to be forced in the short term into those healthier habits and helps maintain them over time. And there's a cost associated with it. There's foods I can never eat again, things that make me sick, and there's pills i got to take every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> right? But I ultimately lost over 140 pounds on that journey, and it was the best decision I ever made. But I wish I could end the story there. And stand here at a buck eighty-five and a 34-inch waist. But here I am, right? A work in progress. Sometimes I think in our freedom from sin, it's hard to remember that we're actually free. And to believe that we're actually free. And to live like we're actually free. Over time it's easy to let go of the wheel, to coast. Right? We think we've got this, we're doing great. And we stop praying for strength. We stop praying to not be led into temptation. Right? And before you know it, we're walking in our own strength instead of walking by the Spirit. Right? And then, and that's when life happens. Right? Things get hard. Your plate gets full. Right? Your job gets crazy. I mean, You're trying to make ends meet. And maybe you're having kids now. Or you're having trouble having kids. Or in my case, the kids start coming two by two you got people who depend on you. Maybe your parents are sick. Maybe they die. And maybe you're in messes and circumstances that you can't see the way out of. Right? Then, at that point in your life, when temptation comes, yeah, maybe I will have that cookie. Or maybe I will go out to lunch instead of bringing a healthy one from home. Or how about this? Uh, maybe you've had a hard day at work again. So maybe you'll have that drink. To unwind again or it's just texting right uh, they're just a friend they make me feel better about myself right? they get me no my spouse doesn't need to know but hey what's the harm right this there's nothing wrong here right when we're walking by the flesh being led by our desires in an instant our life can end up in a place where we never thought it could be or worse It could end up back to a place where we swore we'd never be again. And maybe the problem isn't that sin struggle in your life that you were trying to handle in your own strength, but maybe it's all the rest of that stuff in your life that you were trying to carry on your own too. You were living like the outcomes depended on you instead of walking by faith and humble obedience but trusting God with the results. And so for me, earlier this year, Ten years after that surgery, I found myself back to a weight and a clothing size I swore I would never be to again. And so there's a part of my life here that I thought I had put to death, right? But it's taken back control over me. So what do we do, right? It means I've got to humble myself. I started that weight loss journey again, get back to healthier habits. And ultimately that meant uh, 10 years uh, on getting a revision to that surgery that I had. And yeah, I'm giving up some freedom. Uh, I'm submitting to restrictions in my life. I'm cutting parts of my life that I desire out. But these are the decisions we don't regret. The gospel is just as good today as the first day you accepted it. We can keep coming back to him again and again and again for forgiveness, for acceptance, and for grace. He takes you in right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. So he gives you his spirit. He sets you free from sin. He helps you grow. And the victory is already won and the price has already been paid on the cross. So what is it for you? What part of your life do you need to cut out? What's taking you where you don't want your life to go? Be honest with yourself. Paul He calls us to crucify these passions and desires. Crucify. Nail them to the cross. Right? So for you, maybe it is that cookie. Maybe it is what you eat. (laughs) Or how about this? Right? Are you valuing this or the things that this buys more than the people in your life, more than your relationship with God? Now it' to the cross. What about your entertainment? Is that taking you somewhere good? The things you're taking in, like television? Or video games? Or, that's a little old school. What, what about this? What about your smartphone? Maybe you need to really evaluate uh, if you're using this the right way in your life or if this should be in your life at all. Right, is, is having uh, immediate access to all the people in your world and all the pictures in the world in your pocket at all times, is that a good call for you? How much time and attention are, are these three things right here robbing from the people in your life? Maybe maybe it's smoking or, or nicotine. Maybe it's time to give this up and put this down for finally. <laughs> the Spirit enables us to do these things. Maybe, Maybe it's gambling. Time to be done with that. Or maybe you really need to question and evaluate honestly your relationship with alcohol. <laughs> I had you. That, that would have been a mess. We can nail this up there, though. crucify our sinful desires. Right? The Spirit enables us to do this. You can put these things down in your life. The things that are taking you where you don't want to go. Because these are the decisions we don't regret. The ones that bring us life and peace. Right? Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So be free. Live by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that's my prayer for you today, that you would live by the Spirit and your lives would be marked by these fruit. Father God, we thank you so much that you have set us free from sin. You paid the penalty and declared the victory for us already on the cross. Help us walk in that faith. Faith that you are inside us working and can change us. We're not in this battle by ourselves. Give us the strength to put down the things in our lives you're calling us to and to walk closer to you. We pray in your name.